Section number 55 of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Naomi Brewster, Melbourne, Australia. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3, by Henry Charles Lee. Book number 8, Chapter 3, Part 7 spheres of action protestantism when the truce with holland expired in sixteen twenty one of course the privileges of the dutch were withdrawn and when war with england came in sixteen twenty four the inquisition eagerly assumed the office of purifying spain from heretical infection inquisitor general pachico informed the king that papal permission had been necessary to enable philip the third to enter into the treaty of sixteen o five now that the peace had been broken and the courses of the papal permission had ceased he was as inquisitor general obliged in conscience to obviate the evils of catholic intercourse with such pertinacious and pernicious heretics as the english and the scotch by not permitting them to remain in his majesty's dominion for otherwise he would be lacking in his duty to the king and to his office he had therefore ordered an edict to be published that all englishmen and scotchmen who were not catholics should leave the king's dominions within twenty days notifying them that after that date they would be punished by the holy office as it was a weighty matter of which the king should be notified pachico added that he had not wished to execute it without informing him and he could issue such orders as he saw fit it may be assumed that philip did not approve of this insolent invasion of the royal power for it was not until april twenty second sixteen twenty six that he issued a proclamation forbidding all commercial intercourse with england and ordering the confiscation of all english goods imported in contravention of its commands when the inquisition followed by a carta accordata of may twenty ninth prescribing the prosecution in the regular way of all english heretics who had sinned against the faith when peace was restored in sixteen thirty article nineteen of the treaty revived the article of sixteen o four and philip as before promised to provide that english subjects should not be molested so long as they caused no scandal as before the suprema followed this january twenty eighth sixteen thirty one with detailed instructions that those who kept house should be treated as spanish subjects and should be subjected to special surveillance this unjustifiable distinction between transient and resident foreigners gave ample opportunity for molestation and blackmail it was construed as applying the index of prohibited books to residents for in sixteen forty five we find the canary tribunal ordering its commissioner at oratava to search the house of the english merchants and report whether they found any forbidden books or books that had not passed the censure the duty was performed and lists were forwarded not only of books but of pictures and prints and as nothing objectionable was reported we may not uncharitably surmise that the commissioner's labours were not unprofitable 
as the rule had no legal basis it probably called forth protests for in sixteen fifty two the suprema submitted the question of its legality to a number of calificadores who unanimously agreed that it was not in accordance with the treaties when presumably it was withdrawn the espionage to which foreign merchants were exposed is portrayed in sixteen forty eight by pedro de Villarreal, commissioner at bilbao who reports that there were sixteen houses in which the english and dutch traders were lodged he was confident that nothing heretical could escape his notice for the keepers of the houses were faithful spies and very zealous in matters of religion a treaty of commerce with denmark in sixteen forty one places the danes on the same footing as the english and in the treaty of munster january thirtieth sixteen forty eight the dutch obtained the same terms while a special article placed the hunts towns on the same footing as holland meanwhile in sixteen forty five the english merchants in andalusia by a payment of twenty five hundred ducats in silver had secured certain commercial privileges one of which indicates how grudgingly their treaty rights had been interpreted a foreign heretic appearing in court either as party or witness was asked whether he was a catholic if he replied in the negative his oath was not received this humiliating and injurious distinction was abrogated and the englishman's oath was declared to be legal and binding like the spaniards but it was difficult to make the courts accept the innovation and the royal order issued march nineteenth had to be repeated june twenty sixth and again november ninth by the munster treaties this privilege was extended to holland and the hunts towns and it was confirmed by the treaty of utrecht in seventeen thirteen we have seen how difficult it was to make the inquisition respect municipal law and it was not likely to regard international obligations excuses could readily be found to bring the hated foreign heretic under its jurisdiction and in the chronic penury of the time the opportunity of rich confiscations was not likely to be lost sight of in sixteen twenty one we hear of a number of englishmen arrested in malaga with sequestration of property and the same occurred in seville in sixteen twenty two of one case we chance to have details that of george penn brother of admiral then captain penn and uncle of william penn the founder of pennsylvania he was in no sense a bigoted protestant or he would scarce have married a catholic wife in flanders he took her to seville where he conducted a prosperous business until sixteen forty three when he was arrested his account of his sufferings is manifestly exaggerated though we may believe him when he says that he was tortured until he confessed all that was required of him that he was a heretic who had married a catholic in antwerp intending to take her to england and pervert her and their children from the faith he was required to abjure in a public auto and ordered to leave spain within three months while his wife was taken from him and he says was married to a spaniard the property confiscated amounted according to disinterested appraisers 
to six thousand pounds of his own and six thousand pounds belonging to other parties on his return to england beggared and broken in health he sought to obtain redress in about sixteen sixty four charles the second appointed him envoy to spain to enable him to urge his claims to advantage but being then sixty-three years old he did not venture to go during the negotiations at utrecht william penn endeavoured to obtain consideration of this case but apparently without success the superb imperturbability of the inquisition as to international obligations is evinced in a case occurring soon after the treaty of munster paul jerome estagema a citizen of horn was arrested at alicante and tried by the valencia tribunal influential people in holland urged his release and the dutch ambassador anthony brun made forcible representations to the king who wrote september fifteenth sixteen fifty one to the suprema urging a prompt decision of the case and pointing out that under the treaty estagema as a citizen of the united provinces was not subject to the inquisition the royal request was treated with absolute indifference ambassador brun kept urging the matter and on december sixteenth philip repeated his application to the suprema and asserted the necessity of satisfying the hollanders then the suprema condescended to forward the royal letters to the tribunal telling it to dispatch the case without delay which could readily be done as the trial had been finished on september seventh and ordering it to report the sentence when pronounced at this period political exigencies rendered both france and spain desirous of an alliance with england don alonso de cadenas the spanish ambassador endeavoured to negotiate a treaty with cromwell in sixteen fifty three and again in sixteen fifty five but the protector insisted on larger toleration in the draft of the projected treaty articles twenty two and thirty five not only repeated the previous provisions but added that englishmen conducting business in spain should be permitted in their houses and ships to perform divine service in their own manner and to use their bibles and other books and that they should not be arrested for doing so or their property be sequestrated when the treaty was submitted to philip he sent these articles to the suprema for its advice protesting that he was unalterably resolved to risk all his dominions and spill the last drop of his blood rather than to yield anything that would be a disservice of god or prejudice in the least degree the purity of religion in response to this the suprema declared that the royal words ought to be recorded in imperishable bronze it easily proved that by divine canon and municipal law a sovereign had no right to permit such toleration it quoted gregory the fifteenth as ordering in sixteen twenty two all rulers under heavy penalties to expel all heretics from their dominions and it pointed out that heretics employed catholic servants who would be corrupted and that all cognizant of heresy incurred mortal sin and excommunication if they did not denounce it these arguments were as applicable to the treaties of sixteen o five sixteen thirty and sixteen forty eight 
as to the proposed one, but they sufficed. It was rejected, and Cromwell returned to France. Doubtless, Admiral Penn felt a special personal satisfaction when he avenged his brother by wrestling Jamaica from Spain in 1655. A secret treaty in 1657 between the wandering Charles II and Philip pledged the former to bring about freedom of conscience in England, but was discreetly silent about toleration in Spain. With the restoration in 1660, peace ensued and the treaty of 1630 was revived. In 1663, when a new treaty was discussed, England again put forward the stipulations of Cromwell, and Philip again consulted the Suprema with the same result. On Philip's death in 1665, the Treaty of December 17th continued in force the provision of 1630 and extended to all Englishmen the privileges granted in 1645 to those of Andalusia. When in 1667 the Treaty of Madrid defined more clearly that the pretext of conscience should not be used to inflict injury on Englishmen or raise any dispute so long as no manifest public scandal was caused nor offence committed. In this shape the relations between the kingdoms continued. The Treaty of Utrecht in 1713 and those of 1763 and 1783 merely confirmed that of 1667. With France, of course, relations were wholly different. When the Huguenot was grudgingly tolerated at home, he could expect no protection for his religion abroad, especially when, as in Spain, he could reside only by pretending Catholicism. The Peace of the Pyrenees, November 7, 1659, merely provides in Article 5 that the vassals of each power shall give free ingress, residence and egress in the territories of the other, observing the laws and customs of the country. This did not, however, preclude reclamation in cases of special malfeasance, as when, in 1772, the French ambassador Villars complained of an outrage in Majorca. A French ship, arriving there from Barbary, September 6th, with a cargo of wheat, chanced to have as a passenger a Huguenot of position, M. de la Fent, governor of the Bastion de France with a large sum of money. On learning this, the Inquisitor arranged to seize him and embargo his property. He assembled a force and armed two vessels with which to take possession of the French ship, and he would have done so had not M. de la Fent prevailed upon the master to make sail. The Queen Regent forwarded this to the Suprema, October 28th, for explanation, but it was not until November 19th that it replied, merely saying that the Inquisitor of Majorca had reported on September 21st the arrival of a heretic and that on October 3rd it had ordered him to take such action as comported with the service of the Queen, the public peace and the consideration due to the subjects of the French King, who were to be treated like the English and the Dutch. As the attempt had failed, the Suprema made the best excuse it could, but with manifest equivocation, for the French heretic had not such treaty protection as the English. 
this was manifested after the revocation of the edict of nantes in sixteen eighty five when it was thought that fugitive huguenots might have settled in spain in sixteen eighty seven the papal nuncio and the french ambassador called the attention of the inquisitor-general to the matter suggesting that the holy office should not permit their residence carlos the second seconded their representations and issued a cedula february twenty eighth ordering his officials to lend all necessary assistance to the inquisition the suprema sent this to the tribunals and followed it june fourteenth with detailed instructions ordering a general perquisition to be conducted through the parish priests throughout spain each tribunal was to collect the results investigate them and vote reporting the vote to the suprema extreme vigilance was enjoined and the suprema was to be kept informed judging from such statistics of the period as are accessible this proved to be a false alarm lending to no results but none the less it indicates a dread inspired by the prospect of the intrusion of foreign heretics there seems to have been a similar scare in sixteen ninety eight when the suprema instructed the tribunals to order all their commissioners to report whether in their districts there were any heretics transient or resident giving in detail the nationality sect occupation etc of each one and this without loss of time this policy continued in seventeen eighty four similar lists were called for the answer from valencia showed how successful had been the exclusion of protestants and how precarious was the position of those who ventured to reside in spain the tribunal reported august twenty ninth seventeen eighty five that it had instructed its commissioners everywhere and where there were no commissioners satisfactory persons to make the secret investigation with the result that there were no protestants in the kingdom of valencia except in the city where there were two monsignor champagne a frenchman and duclos whose nationality could not be ascertained both were protestants although it was difficult to verify the fact on account of their extreme care in attending church and in accompanying the sacrament when it was carried to the sick with the outbreak of the french revolution the desire to exclude heretics extended itself to foreigners generally with the view of completely isolating spain in seventeen ninety one a decree of carlos the fourth required all foreigners to be registered those who desired to be naturalized must be catholics and take the necessary oath of allegiance transient residents were compelled to take out licenses in which among other details their religion was specified they were not allowed to exercise any profession or art or craft or to follow any retail trade or even to be servants and all engaged in such pursuits were given two months in which to leave the country when however the peace of seventeen ninety five put an end to the disastrous war with the french republic and aroused apprehension of an approaching rupture with england there was a feverish desire to placate france showing itself in a royal cedula of may first seventeen ninety six 
prohibiting all tribunals including the inquisition from molesting frenchmen on account of religion but those only were to be recognised as frenchmen who wore the tricolour cockade when war broke out with england a further advance was made carlos ordered his representatives abroad to assure all foreign powers that in spain strangers enjoyed full liberty of conscience and in august seventeen ninety seven he forbade the inquisition to trouble foreigners about their faith we may be permitted however to doubt the sincerity of this when in the same year the attention of the valencia tribunal was drawn to a german merchant named johann foch who called himself a protestant it applied at once to the captain-general to know whether he held the license authorizing his residence in spain not being a catholic it proceeded with the case but suspended it because of his marriage with bernarda maria Pelisa, a parishioner of santo thomas End of section 55